Welcome to Coffee with a Doc, a weekly podcast hosted by Dr. Glenn Schaefer, a practicing chiropractor with over 30 years experience helping people just like you with natural, holistic healthcare and lifestyle change. Dr. Schaefer is the creator of The Vibrant Lifestyle, a wellness program designed around six fundamental principles that when applied to your life will result in remarkable changes. Again, welcome to Coffee with a Doc, and here's Dr. Schaefer. Periodically, I'm going to talk about some specific conditions, kind of give you a a general anatomy of that particular area, what are some of the causes of that condition or injury, and what are some of the treatments that are available. Today is, is one of those times, and I'll be talking about herniated discs in the neck and lower back. In layman's term, that's kind of the slip disc that you might hear about. Uh, This usually involves a significant pain in the neck or lower back with associated pain into an arm or a leg, uh, but it can vary in presentation and symptoms. Numbness, uh, tingling, even muscle weakness in an arm or leg are also very possible. I'm sure you know uh, someone who has experienced this, maybe even you have. Uh, Before I dig into the causative factors and treatment, let me explain some of the anatomy in as simple a terms as possible. Now, I'm going to talk about the entire spine first because it really works as a unit. There are several regions in your spine. The neck area is called the cervical spine, the middle back, uh, the thoracic spine, and the lower back is the lumbar spine, which sits on top of your tailbone, which is called your sacrum. Again, while these regions kind of have their own name, they're all connected and function really as a unit. Uh, A problem in one area of your spine will impact the other area. So the entire spine made up of individual vertebrae or bones in that spine. There's a total of 24 vertebrae. Uh, seven in the neck area, cervical spine, 12 in the thoracic spine, and five in the lumbar spine. In your developmental process, when you were inside of your mother, uh, your sacrum or tailbone was actually individual segments that all fused together in that developmental process, making one solid bone. Uh, There's at least uh, one more little bone at the end of the sacrum. That's called the coccyx. I know all of that kind of sounds complicated, and that's really just the beginning of it. It's much more complicated than that. Well, we're looking at your spine from the front view. It should be nice and straight. Uh, You've heard of people with a spinal curvature, and that's what's called a scoliosis. That's when looking at it from the front view, and it's not nice and straight. From the side view, you will have some natural curves that are in the spine, and they're there by design. They play an important role in the function of the spine. Your neck or cervical spine kind of curves forward in the middle, and this is known as a lordotic curve. Your middle back area or thoracic spine curves backwards. That's called a kyphotic curve curve and your lower back, your lumbar spine again, curves forward. Uh, These curves help to distribute stress evenly throughout the entire spine so that no one area receives a concentration of stress on a day-to-day basis. Uh, There's a specific degree to each of those curves. Less curvature or more curvature is typically not a good thing and can lead to some problems down the line due to a concentration of stress in that particular area. Remember the curves are there to more evenly distribute stress. Concentrated stress is a key factor in injuries and wear and tear type issues. This is why good posture that I keep going over and over and over again 
is so important and why poor posture increases in any of those particular curves. That's what poor posture does. It increases the curves and the associated concentrated stress which can lead to injury and wear and tear problems. All right, that's kind of a brief understanding of your spine. So let's kind of dive into that intervertebral disc or simply put uh, as disc, which I'll call it uh, throughout the remainder of this talk. Totaling up all of the vertebrae in your spine, there's 24. In between every set of vertebrae, except for the top two, there's a cushion or a pad. These pads are the intervertebral, hence the name, in between the vertebrae discs. Looking at the individual anatomy of each of the vertebrae, and I won't go into a lot of detail here, but there is a thicker a solid part called the vertebral body. The vertebral body is uh, the part that's designed to take the bulk of the stress in your spine. The discs are situated between each vertebral body. So we have these thick bony part of the vertebral body with cushions in between. Again, you can visualize that and the areas as kind of taking the bulk of the stress, and indeed they do. Uh, the discs are kind of like uh, jelly donuts, and I hope that uh, you don't see a whole lot of those jelly donuts on a regular basis in your diet. But if you could take the disc out, lay it on top of the table, it would look kind of like a tree stump if we were looking down, in it, down on it with those circular rings to it. Uh, those rings in the disc are a type of kind of fibrous uh, cartilage. Uh, there's a jelly in the center of the disc, and those circular rings of fiber kind of keep that jelly right in the center. Now you can really see how this works kind of as a shock absorber. Pretty cool, huh? On a side note, I'll continue to emphasize design. I have a, a Bachelor of Science in Human Biology, and I've studied anatomy for a long time. There's an intricate design at every level from the large stuff kind of like we're talking about down to the microscopic level. I will unashamedly state that this design did not happen by random chance over millions of years. That would be totally impossible. We have a creator which, which I call God. That's far beyond our capacity of our finite brains to kind of wrap our head around. I'm barely skimming the complexity of the spine, but you can see that there is design. Solid bony vertebral bodies that have dynamic movement with cushions in between. It's unbelievable. So what goes wrong with these discs that they have bulges or herniations? The problem typically starts when that jelly that's in the center of the disc starts to move from the center of the disc towards the edge. Well, how can that happen? Remember those circular rings of cartilage, that fibrous cartilage that kind of looks like uh, the tree stump when you look down on it? Well, they can develop small tears from repeated concentrated stress on that particular disc or maybe an abrupt concentrated stress. Uh, these tears are weak spots that allow the jelly in the center of the disc to move from the center towards the edge of a disc. Just like if you laid a jelly donut out on the table and started to push down on it with your hand, that jelly would not stay in the center of the donut. While the jelly starts to move towards the edge of the disc, eventually there's going to be a bulge that will occur in the disc. And oddly enough, guess what? That's called a bulging disc. This is typically a process that may take months or years. It may include many different episodes of back or neck pain. 
doesn't have to cause any pain at all, but continued repeated stress on the disc will worsen this problem over time. If the jelly actually squirts out of the disc, that bulging disc now has become a herniated disc. Going back to our jelly donut example, if you had a jelly donut, laid it on the table, you know that, and that hole that they put in the jelly donut, let's say that wasn't there, that's where they kind of injected the jelly into the donut, but as you push down on that donut, that jelly will shift out of the center of it towards the edge, it'll start to bulge on the side, it'll increase, increase that bulge until the jelly squirts out. That's a good visual of the progression of a bulging disc to a herniated disc. It's really all the same condition, it just degrees of it. Kind of amazing. We, we uh, took something very complex uh, from an anatomical basis and boiled it down to a jelly donut. Uh, but the most common areas for these bulging and herniated discs are the lower lumbar spine. In other words, right down at your waistline. That's the last two. That's where the last two discs are at. And then in the middle of your neck area or in the middle of your cervical spine. These areas seem to take the brunt of our everyday kind of wear and tear. Uh, that lower lumbar area is probably the most common out of the two. Well, bulging and herniated discs are typically painful, but not always. They've actually done some MRI studies on the general population, took a group of 100 people who had no history of lower back pain and or leg pain, no knowledge of any disc problems in their back, no symptoms whatsoever, and they did MRIs on their lower back or lumbar spine. They found that 20% of these asymptomatic people with no complaints and no history of complaints had evidence of herniated discs in their lower back lumbar spine area. The most significant issue associated with these bulging or herniated discs outside of the, the pain that they may cause is related to the pressure that that bulge or herniation will put on the nerves that exit the spine at that particular level or pressure on the spinal cord itself. Pressure or irritation on the nervous system in general is never a good thing. This is why it's common to have kind of those extremity complaints, that leg or arm symptom that goes along with a disc problem in the neck or lower back. The nerves that go out to your arms and legs come out of the spine in the middle of the neck area where the most common disc problems are and in the lower part of your lower back, the most common area for lumbar disc problems. Pressure on the spinal cord, which is kind of the main wire that comes out of the base of your brain, runs down the center of your spine. That's even a more significant issue. The nerves that exit your spine between each vertebrae come off of your spinal cord. So it kind of ties all of that in. So what can we do about these bulging discs or herniated discs? The treatment falls into a couple different categories, very broad categories. There's conservative treatment and there's surgical treatment broad categories. Uh, while surgery is certainly sometimes necessary, my goal is to keep the surgeon out of the game. Having treated bulging and hurting any discs for over 30 years, 
I, I know there's numerous surgical methods, uh, many determined by the extent and position of the herniated disc, uh, but this is not my particular area of expertise, so I'm not going to comment on it greatly. Uh, the one trend I have noticed over the years in, in surgical procedures in general is they're becoming less and less evasive. In other words, they found the less they do from a surgical standpoint, the better the outcome tends to be. Well, this is true for spinal surgeries as well, and I think that's a, a good thing. Uh, the goal of surgery uh, and a surgical procedure is to remove some kind of space occupying lesion and that would be the bulge or herniation stabilize that area if it is necessary the downside of surgery uh, well it, it is surgery and, and surgeries have inherent risks in them in general uh, and depending on the type of procedure that is done uh, it may cause some other problems down the road and develop future problems and sometimes they it just simply doesn't alleviate a great deal of the patient's pain conservative treatments are, are wide and varied also these include uh, things such as manipulative therapy, decompression treatments, physical therapy, physical therapy modalities, injections, exercise therapy, massage therapy, and acupuncture, just kind of to name a few of the more common ones. The goal of the conservative treatment is to decrease the inflammation around the bulge or herniation. Around any injury, and certainly these uh, fall into that category, there is inflammation and typically some swelling. Uh, it's the body's normal reaction to that. Well, that inflammation and swelling can actually put irritation on the joints and nerves of that area, causing a great deal of the symptomatology. So if we can get rid of, lower, decrease inflammation and swelling, the patient starts feeling much better. The second is to decrease the bulge or herniation. And third, to restore as much normal function and strength to that area. So there's a variety of techniques that, that can utilize. I'm not going to get into all of the specific ones here on this, uh, on this podcast. But the downside to some of these conservative methods is that there simply may not be enough. You know, there's a variety of techniques, as I mentioned, but sometimes that bulge or herniation may just be too large to be diminished to get pressure off the nervous system. The good news is, and that's why I always recommend conservative methods first, is that the surgeon is still there. He's always available, but we certainly want to utilize and exhaust all of the conservative methods first. Let me give you a hypothetical example of a case, let's say. We have a 45-year-old male. He's approximately 25 pounds overweight, and that's, that's not uncommon, uh, presenting with lower back pain. That's worse when he sits. He has some degree of pain into his, let's say, right thigh or leg. Um, he's having trouble with some of his activities of daily living and working, and he's not sleeping too well because of the pain. He has a history of periodic lower back pain, but at this particular episode, it's, it's never been this bad before and hasn't lasted this long. Let's say I, I determine that he has a bulging disc at his L5 disc, which is the disc right below his fifth lumbar, the last vertebrae in his spine. Uh, he has a history of some very physical work and activities in the past, but now he's been a little more sedate. He has desk work that he does on a day-to-day -day basis. 
I would put him first on a series of some decompression treatments, probably three times a week for maybe three, four weeks. Then I'd reduce that as he starts to respond to twice a week for maybe another three or four weeks, along with some physical therapy uh, modalities to reduce that inflammation and swelling. Additionally, I'd give him some stretching maneuvers to do at home, and as well as instruct him on some activities that are going to aggravate his condition. As he starts to improve, you know, I start him on some core strengthening exercise, very, very important, and an intermediate goal would be for him to start working on his overall weight and improve his activity level. That extra 25 pounds is pulling on that lower back, causing more day-to-day stress on that area. Well, I've simplified it for you, uh, but that's a good example of how conservative management of a bulging disc would be. A herniated disc, uh, typically the same type of treatment would be utilized, although it may take a little bit longer. Herniated discs, in terms of uh, chiropractic practice, are probably the, the worst of the worst. They're the ones that take the longest, uh, the most stubborn to respond. But most of them, uh, the good news is, uh, do not require surgery. I hope that kind of helps you understand that particular condition. Many chiropractors use decompression type treatments. Uh, I feel that's one of the best for this particular problem, but there's a variety of techniques that, that chiropractors use that are very effective for treating these conditions. Uh, if surgery is deemed necessary, your chiropractor that you work with more than likely has some good working relationships with local surger- surgeons that he can refer you to. If you have any additional questions uh, on this topic or or maybe some others, uh, some things you'd like me to cover, please email me at gsspine at gmail.com. Again, that's gsspine at gmail.com. That's my personal email. I'll respond to you personally. Uh, Maybe a topic you'd like me to cover in the future. Uh, My goal here is to help you, your family, your friends to have a healthy, vibrant lifestyle so that you can enjoy life, serve others, and glorify our God and Creator. Do me a favor. uh, Please share this podcast with others.